0: What are some of the top medical device cybersecurity challenges facing the healthcare sector? And what should industry stakeholders be doing to address these issues? I'm Marianne Kolbazak mcgee Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Matt Russo, Senior Director of Product Security at Medtronic, and Ken Hoime, Director of Product Security at Boston Scientific. Matt and Ken are co-chairing a medical device cybersecurity conference in January hosted by the University of Michigan's Archimedes Center for Medical Device Security. So, Matt, from your perspective, what are some of the top cybersecurity challenges involving medical devices that are facing the healthcare sector?
1: The top challenges today really is is the evolving nature of the cybersecurity landscape. So, our teams within medical device manufacturing organizations continue to work hard on those security measures to make sure that those products are developed and are maintained safely as they go out the entire life cycle of their products. It's also a really diverse landscape, so that's what also makes it really challenging. Securing an implantable device is much more difficult than potentially securing an x-ray machine or something that sits in a hospital's network for its entire life cycle. So it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. You really have to have a very unique threat modeling and risk management approach to designing security mechanisms into products and then making sure that they stay updated and current throughout the entire life cycle of a device. It's really, really important that we're balancing security and usability of those products as they're meant for clinical application.
0: And Ken, anything you'd like to add?
2: Well, sure. I'd reiterate what Matt said about the diversity. I think the other aspect of diversity in our environment is the wide varying sizes of organizations on both the manufacturer and the healthcare system side. You have large hospital systems with very sophisticated cybersecurity uh, capabilities, and then you've got smaller community hospitals that may have one or two people on their staff. Similar side on the medical device manufacturers. You have the robust manufacturers that have multiple staff focused on cybersecurity, and you've got the small startups that uh, are trying to get their product on the market. So I think dealing with some of those wide diversity uh, issues and reaching out to them are certainly uh, yeah, something one of that we're trying to do with our uh, cybersecurity workshop to teach people about what it is they need to
0: be doing. So with that said, what can medical device makers do to address cybersecurity issues that arise with legacy devices and outdated software components? For instance, Microsoft will stop supporting Windows 7 in January. What comes next? Ken, what do you have to say?
2: When you are designing a system, I think it is readily apparent to the manufacturers and the hospital systems that these devices are used for relatively long life cycles. So planning for updates of operating systems planning for those kinds of software updates through a reasonable life cycle of the product needs to be part of the product design and I think the big challenge that has been the focus on legacy devices is many of the existing legacy devices that are out there were designed potentially five or ten years ago when the cybersecurity awareness was not as high, and therefore the device may have been built without the ability to expand memory or do what you would might need to move to the next version of an operating system. So I think that's part of the overall learning that's been going on in the healthcare system is to understand how to plan for that, what is a reasonable expectation, and then to increase the transparency of communication between manufacturers and healthcare systems so that people could be eyes open about when a device will no longer be supportable and what uh, uh, issues the hospital may have to deal with if they want to continue to use it safely.
0: And Matt, anything you'd like to add?
2: I think I'd
1: also maybe focus a little bit on developing a, a coordinated disclosure program, right? So that's a Key component of FDA's post-market guidance, a lot of device manufacturers have these coordinated disclosure programs that allow us to transparently communicate vulnerabilities to our customers. But the real point is not just the communication. It's the real mitigation and real elimination of some of those risks through patching of devices, updating those devices. As Ken pointed out, some of those devices that were developed five, ten years ago, even longer, that can be more challenging. But that is an industry what we need to continue to strive for is Communication of these to customers and uh, healthcare delivery organizations, and then equipping them with tools to really fix and address these items, whether that is in the form of a patch or, or some other form of mitigation. So those devices live in the field for a long time. It is really a challenge for us to make sure that they stay current and updated throughout their use lifecycle. So that's really how we need to continue to to partner with those healthcare organizations and quite frankly, with our colleagues and with regulators to make sure that we are developing those products that are are able to be updated throughout that full time that they're going to be in the clinical environment.
0: So with that said, in terms of the medical device makers in developing new products, you know, your own manufacturing companies, for instance, how are you addressing cybersecurity issues in new products that are being developed and in the life cycle of those products, Matt?
1: We are taking a very robust approach to how we develop cybersecurity into our new products. Security by design is a big part of what we do here at Medtronic. We lean heavily on FDA's pre-market guidance, and, and there's actually a revision of that that's expected out in the near future here that we think does a great job of articulating and defining how we should be developing products from a secure standpoint. We've talked about a little bit of the evolving security landscape, right? We need to continue to make security improvements to our products and, and continue to review our practices to minimize and mitigate those vulnerabilities throughout all of those phases of development. So again, going back to this concept that you know no system can be 100% secure, we take measures to address the security within our products that are developed and, and really once they leave our manufacturing facilities and that they're in use, that they still maintain that same level of security by doing signal monitoring and things
2: like that.
0: And Ken, what about for you?
2: I would kind of reinforce some of of Matt's points as well. All manufacturers that are going to produce regulated medical devices need to have a quality system that meets the overall quality system regulations from the FDA, and those define how you design and test and develop devices. And the FDA and other regulators can come in and audit you to that. So we've taken the the pre-market, post-market guidance, and we've built that into our quality system as development requirements, which essentially ensures that all development teams, uh, in order to meet the quality system uh, internally and, and satisfy the regulatory requirements, are doing the right steps, including security risk assessment, threat modeling, Penetration testing at the end to ensure that the device uh, could survive a, a talented hacker at the end. Uh, and then all of the post-market monitoring that's necessary to manage the vulnerabilities that are discovered later once the device is in the field. So tying things into the quality system is kind of the club that makes sure that everyone plays along and does the right thing.
0: So now when it comes to the evolving cybersecurity landscape and threats, what's most concerning when it comes to potential attacks involving medical devices? Ken?
2: I think we've seen probably two kinds of threats that have been shown up in in the hospital settings. One is what I've referred to as kind of drive-by attacks, which are general attacks that are against infrastructure like Microsoft Windows that just happened to get into a hospital. So the WannaCry outbreak that happened in 2017 was an example of that. And that was a ransomware product that was uh, attributed to the North Korean government that was just going after Bitcoin money, and they weren't specifically targeting medical devices though so the u k s healthcare system was hit pretty hard by vulnerable devices that were on their networks so if bad actors are out there trying to just manipulate Windows vulnerabilities or other general vulnerabilities it 's only through the, uh, the the appropriate hardening and rapid patching that we could try to minimize that kind of risk. That kind of threat's always going to be there. I think the other area that's been concerning is the sense that organized crime attackers whose goal is to monetize information, such as those that want to steal credit cards to sell them on the black market, that healthcare data is considered valuable. So there could be a more targeted attacks geared at trying to get access to the healthcare data. Now, typically medical devices don't contain a lot of medical data in them. They tend to push them off into the electronic health records. But if attackers are seeking vulnerabilities to go after the electronic health records, they might use medical devices as a vehicle to to achieve that end. So I think it's going after health data or just standard being vulnerable to things that are part of the infrastructure this is, the, this is kind of the main area's concern right
1: now.
0: And, Matt, what do you see?
1: Whenever we talk about cybersecurity topics and defending any assets, we're always talking about you know, how do you do that, how do you do that effectively and do a really good job of that every second of every day. So you know, as a, as a cybersecurity professional, I'll tell you that's a challenge. You know, a, a bad actor only needs to be successful once, or at a single point in time, to really take advantage of a system, or, or get after what they're looking for. Whether that's to take over a system, or as you know Ken mentioned, you know potentially get data that's sitting in a you know an electronic health record, right? So really making sure that we're doing a, an effective job every day to maintain a high level of security that is within all of the medical device products that are being used in clinical settings, I think is really really key. And then beyond that, these devices, I've alluded to this before, right? they operate in such a huge variety of different environments. Some devices are only only for use in hospitals, some devices are implantable devices, some devices you wear on your hip that go home with you, and some devices are only for use outside of a clinic. So, securing devices in such a wide variety of those environments is really a challenge because you can't take for granted what are the system or network constraints associated with those devices in the environments that they're operating in. So it is really just a, a kind of a volatile landscape that you need to be prepared for, for something, you know, in a, a, you know, the most protected hospital setting all the way to a, a pretty you know, low level of security that could be in a patient's home.
0: And in terms of top suggestions for healthcare entities, in terms of them better addressing the cybersecurity of medical devices in their environments, is there one particular step or best practice that tends to be overlooked that you think needs more attention? Matt, you want to go first?
1: I don't know if there's a specific step that goes overlooked. I do think that some of those interactions that we have with customers or healthcare delivery organizations, the ones that do this the most effectively, they have dedicated functions to product cybersecurity, folks that are maintaining the cybersecurity and threat landscape associated with that hospital environment. Again, typically those are some of the larger institutions, but we're having a lot more dedicated conversations with some of those healthcare organizations about security of the devices that are operating in their environment. And they've really helped educate us on you know, the fact that they're not going to, to tell a physician that they can't put a device in that environment if that device is going to save lives, but that they're going to take certain measures to secure those devices or insulate them in some way if there are some security vulnerabilities, which I think is the right approach. It, it, it really does marry up the Yes, devices absolutely need to be secure, but they also need to be usable, and they need to be providing clinical value when they're in that hospital environment. So my focus, I think, for those healthcare organizations is, again, more more dedicated teams, kind of more robustly focusing on the security of devices, how to evaluate those things, and how to engage with the device manufacturers to ask good questions and hopefully have those questions answered by the device manufacturers.
0: And Ken... is there one top tip that you would also recommend for healthcare entities to do, especially if something that it wasn't already mentioned by Matt?
2: Yeah, I think that the top number one thing that, that hospitals should do is focus on segmentation of the medical devices away from the other core systems in the hospital as much as they can. I think the large hospitals do that effectively and understand they need to do that, but some of the smaller may not. As an example, the big target credit card breach that happened several years ago the credit card systems within a store were on the same flat network as the air conditioning systems that were running the air conditioning for the store, and a uh, attacker attacked the air conditioning system and used it to go after the credit card because the network wasn't configured securely. So by the same token, medical devices are always going to be slower to get patched than the typical IT system because of some of the regulatory requirements to re-verify that the, the patch does not cause the device to malfunction. So if hospitals leave the devices on the same flat network as some of their other systems, it just increases their vulnerability. So good network architecture.
0: And finally, what is your top prediction for medical device cybersecurity in 2020? Ken, you can go first.
2: Well, I, I think the only other prediction I, I would make is it's always going to be uncertain. I think that's the nature of both Matt and my jobs is every day you kind of open up the news and see what's happening and see whether there's something new that's broken. You have to all of a sudden react to it. And I think you know, outside of the diligence to try to be prepared all the time, you, we also have to be ready to react when incidents occur as quickly as we can.
0: And Matt, one prediction from you?
1: I think we're going to receive greater interest in this topic in this next year from a lot of different sources. I think we're already seeing some regulators outside the U.S. taking more interest in the topic, and I also think with that increased interest, it makes it that much more important that we continue to collaborate, you know, at events like the Archimedes 101 events at the end of January. You know, there's a lot of collaboration in the industry today. We don't compete on security. We think that as that bar is raised across the industry, that's more beneficial to the patients and clinicians who rely on these medical devices. So I think you're going to continue to see even better collaboration than we have in the past as we continue to face additional product cybersecurity challenges in the future.
0: Thanks, Ken. Thanks, Matt. I've been speaking to Matt Russo and Ken Hoime. I'm Marianne Kolbasek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.